<clears throat> okay, recording. You have a story to tell, and maybe you thought, I should start a podcast. Meet Anchor. It's a powerful app that lets you record a podcast anywhere and get it heard everywhere. All you need to do is download the free Anchor app and hit record. Just go to anchor.fm slash get started. Your story matters. Make a podcast with Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash get started. Great. I think we got it. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rose, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, guys? We're going to do this podcast. My name is Solomon Lee at Solomon Lee NBA on Twitter. Here, joined by Michael Shapiro of SI Now. Michael, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well. And yourself? I'm doing all right. You know, I've been better. I'm going to change that. I, I I shouldn't say that every time I start the podcast. I've been better. I've been better. Right. Well, you sorry know? to hear that. I, I appreciate the honesty, though. That's good. Yeah, because I, I feel like I get on here. I do I do my happy spiel, and like you know, sometimes I'm just doing all right. I'm just doing okay. And I feel like that needs to be conveyed sometimes. Sometimes it's okay to feel okay. I think that's very fair. I think uh, a lot of Rockets fans felt that same way during this season. Yeah, I, I, I can't, I can't imagine. Like it, it's, it's been a rough year for Rockets fans. The roller coaster has been madness. Um, mm-hmm. so uh, we're talking about it now, but the Rockets season has mercifully come to an end, mm-hmm. and we have a lot to discuss. Um, it was a very difficult watch for me personally. I, I watched most of the season post-mortem. Like I would watch games at, not live because I, I didn't want to sit through commercials along with watching this really miserable team. I didn't feel like there was anything to be gained, you know, for li- live coverage didn't need to be inputted, I think. No, that's certainly not, especially as the season rolled on. I mean, it was kind of interesting to see just kind of the other lineups that Steven Silas was cobbling together, but the, the same old story certainly got repetitive, uh, especially in those final weeks of the season, for sure. Right, and like, I remember talking about this with uh, Jonathan Fagan, and he kind of compared to the 65-win season in terms of the repetitiveness because they were winning at such a high rate. And I'm just like, I don't know, because like, th- there was still a lot of stuff to, to, to sink your teeth into, right? Like, mm-hmm. the Harden-Chris Paul dynamics were brand new. Uh, you had the, the whole Warriors thing going on where, like, they were the only legit challenger for the Warriors going into that season, they, and they were looking pretty formidable going into the playoffs. And, like, there was a lot of matchup stuff we could, we could, we could talk about, whereas, like, w- there was nothing to come up. Like, there was no postseason insight, obviously. Uh, the, there wasn't much of a uh, play-in you know, buzz at all. I mean, they they had no chance, obviously. And it became pretty clear what the season was going to become, like, midway through. And it just became just a slog of 
loss after loss after loss. And I feel like a lot of the data we got from this team was kind of useless because it's not like this is a team with a full with a bunch of like young players, right? It's like it's a pretty veteran laden team. There's like two young guys, right? It's like KJ Martin and Kevin Porter Jr. Are, like the only like asset-y type guys on this team. So there wasn't really much to learn as well. Yeah, I think you don't know, have to include Jay Sean Tate when you're talking about those youngsters, of course. But yeah, when you look at the kind of lineup data that they're but, 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 but he's 25. Like, and that's crazy. Like, you you think about it, and it's like all the youngish type guys that we talk about. Like Christian Woods, 26, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, it, like I I think I in theory they have a young younger roster than they had before, but it's still not young, which is kind of like my, my point. Like, there's not really much to look forward to if you're a Rockets fan other than these picks that are coming up. Right. It's kind of a situation where their their NBA development should continue next year, but in terms of their physical maturation development, you make a fair point that uh, really it's KJ Martin and then KPJ as the only guys going through that. And, and you look, you know, to kind of see what we want to glean from this year to look into next year. It is tough just because the lineups really didn't play together very much at all. I mean, you just have such limited data regarding uh, any kind of set of three to four to five players. Um, so it's going to kind of be a, a viewing point from the Rockets standpoint of, how do we view these guys in a vacuum? And then when next season starts, we kind of have to evaluate how they're playing together. Yeah, and, and the lineup data stuff is not unique to the Rockets as well because there are a lot of teams that yep. just did not have consistent lineups this year. But you're right. Like, the Rockets were bombarded by injuries this year. They they certainly were, especially midseason when Christian Wood went down. The entire roster just fell apart. And, you know, there, there were points where there were – you know, 10-day contract guys starting. And so I, I, I certainly understand where you're coming from. It's like there there just wasn't a lot of valuable data to glean from this team at all. Other than those other than those two players, I thought, I thought you know, what we saw from them, I thought you could maybe project forward with those guys. But um, I first wanted to pose this question to you, and you can take this and run with it in a lot of different directions. Sure. But point blank, did the Rockets have a successful season? Um, that's a really tough question. I would say if you went to the very opening night of the season and say it was a successful, I'd say probably not because I still think the Rockets thought maybe they had some chance of kind of placating James Harden. I think once Harden left, if you kind of view the season from that date forward, yeah, I'd probably say it's a success. They found some rotation players they like. They have the best odds for the number one pick. You know, once Harden left, it wasn't like this was any sort of competitor anyway. So considering those really tough circumstances, I'll say, Post-Harden, sure, I'll view the season as, as a success, as kind of perverse as that may be. Well, so I, I'm, gl- I'm glad we disagree here. So it's a, per- it's, a pers- per- it's a purposely broad question because it really depends on what objective you're grading them on. And, and obviously they didn't win a championship, but at no point in the offseason did we consider them a championship robust kind of no. team. I think it was pretty clear the original goal was can Houston get back to becoming a true championship contender at the beginning of the offseason. And then um, when James Harden requested a trade, the goal quickly became can the Rockets convince James Harden to change his mind. And that clearly didn't work out. Uh, He was traded pretty early into the season. But then the goal became can Houston become good enough to guarantee this pick swap with OKC and Miami to not hurt as much meaning they can have a better record than Miami and keep their pick. And that obviously didn't happen. So the only last result was to tank and ensure that they have a bottom three record to maximize their chances of keeping their pick. So not only did their plan A fail, 
but their plans B, C, and D failed, and this is kind of like their plan F, right? And right. I'm not even sure you can even call this a plan because it's not like they were they meant to they were they were planning to lose all these games. Like they wanted to win, <laughs> they got bombarded by injuries, and they right. eventually realized they didn't have the talent to win. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough situation. I kind of would push back on the idea. Once Harden was out the door, in my opinion, I think this idea of, oh, they were going to cobble together some kind of playoff contender really pretty quickly flew out the window. I think even if it wasn't, uh, even if it was a pretty healthy squad throughout the year, I really don't think that they would have snagged one of these eight, nine, or ten seeds. So, listen, once James Harden was gone and they didn't want to get Ben Simmons back, you know, they wanted to get this Hall of Brooklyn picks back, I really do think tanking was the most prudent measure. Now, we'll see if they get screwed by the lottery gods rewarded here. But they're in a pretty good space in that they have some guys I think they can build towards for the future with Christian Wood, Kevin Porter Jr. And if you add the right lottery pick, things could be pretty solid next year. They could be back into playoff contention maybe sooner than we think with the right breaks. So let me ask you a question. Do you believe after they traded James Harden, they had the intention of tanking? Because I don't think they did. I think that there's a reason they went after Oladipo. Mm -hmm. Uh, and if it wasn't going to be Oladipo, it was going to be Levert, and that they wanted someone that would carry their water for a little bit so they can they can form a competitive team. And obviously, the injuries came to a point where they just couldn't do that. Like, Do you remember right. they had that five-game winning streak right uh-huh. out the gate after the Harden trade, yep. and then everything just fell apart? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was <laughs> – I don't think it was their intention to tank once they traded Harden. No, I would say it was kind of an inadvertent success is the way I would kind of label how everything shook out here. Because I okay. do think it's it's in the Rockets' nature, in Tillman Fertitta, as we've seen nature, um, to be as good and as competitive as possible. Like the idea of the Rockets tanking next year, so I've seen that brought up. I think that's kind of crazy. I don't think that's going to happen at all. Uh, Tillman wants to fill the building. He wants a winning product. So it's kind of a situation where, no, I don't think it was their plan to tank, but I think uh, it's better for the Rockets to have the situation in which they were in, in which they were losing games constantly and now have the best odds for the top pick than if they were the 10th seed or the 11th seed, in my opinion. That I would deem probably some kind of failure if they had the 10th, 11th, or 12th best uh, lottery odds here. But once Harden is gone, they might as well have raced to the bottom, and it may have been a weird way to do it. But, hey, they did it, and now maybe they'll get Kate Cunningham soon. Yeah, here, I'll, I'll say this. Go ahead. Rafael Stone and that front office deserve a lot of credit for, through this mm-hmm. calendar year for the asset management they did, right? Yep. L- yep. Like, like collecting all the first-round picks that they did, and putting themselves in a position um, to where their roster really isn't as expensive as it once was, yeah. and and perhaps they have they have money coming off their books this offseason, and it, it'll get a lot cleaner, right? The the only outstanding bad contract that's left is John Wall, and I guess Eric Gordon. I don't really consider him to be a bad contract. I yeah. guess it really depends on how how well he plays next season, um, sure. but um, really, like they they've done a pretty good job on that end too, and. I, I think I think they deserve some credit for that part. Like I think the front office has done a pretty good job. The organization, I feel like, judging by their objectives at the start of the season, what it's become, I feel like it's a failure. But I I can see how you might view it differently. Yeah, and I, I think they're in a pretty good spot. And I think that both Stephen Silas uh, and Rafael Stone deserve some credit because it was really an unreal hand they were dealt, both with the heart and drama and the slew of injuries. But as we kind of noted, they do have some young pieces towards the future. Um, they have room to kind of make some maneuvers. In free agency, and if they land the right, right lottery pick, the future could be brighter sooner than people think. So I think this idea that the Rockets are eternally screwed to be in the bottom of the West for three, four, five years to come, I don't really buy that, especially uh, if they get one of these top three picks here in the draft coming up. 
So let's talk about this lottery because because we've Please. talked we've teased we've teased about it for a bit, and boy am I excited for this. Uh, the, it's June 22nd. The Rockets obviously have a pretty consequential pick swap this year. And if they don't keep their pick, they drop down like 15 spots to yep. swap picks with Miami. Uh, Michael, on a scale of 1 to 10, how important is it for Houston to keep this pick? And I know this is a dumb question, but I just wanted an excuse to talk about it. Oh, I mean, I mean, it's a 10. It's, it's pretty much one of the most consequential things that will happen this offseason with any team, right? I mean... We kind of did praise the pieces that are in the building, but unless the right lottery pick comes around, still not going to be a, a playoff team, I think, next year. Having said that, if it's Kate Cunningham or Evan Mobley or Jalen Suggs or whoever this right guy is coming in the top four is a rocket, the future looks much, much brighter. I mean, it's going to be a very nerve-wracking day for Houston fans um, and probably the most non-consequential non-playoff day for the Rockets in, in a long, long time, probably since the Harden trade, to be frank. Yeah. Yeah, I, if not the Chris Paul trade, at least like sure. it's it, it, it's a it's going to be an insane insane day, and it, it it's really funny how it came down to they have the worst record in the in the league, so they really only have to worry about five, right? They really only have to worry about the number five pick being that OKC pick or not. So if if the Rockets don't show up at five, they keep their pick. Uh, if, if they were the second or third worst worst record in the league, it, it could have extended down to like six or seven. But now right. it's really one pick that we're all going to be watching and waiting for. <laughs> and it has a 48% chance of converting to that one pick. Uh, uh, it's, it's going to be fascinating. It is going to be fascinating. Um, and you know what? I'll give them a nine. I had ten written down here, but I'm going to change that and say it's a nine. And, I'll, and this is why. They didn't completely forego a first round pick if they if they don't land no. the top four, right? Like this, right. this is a swap, and as of right now, they're going to have three first round picks no matter what. But if the if the top of the first round is what people are saying it is, which is like three to four transformational cornerstone type players, and they miss out on that, it could set the franchise back like five years. And if they do keep their pick, it's the opposite effect, obviously, right? It accelerates their rebuild to where they can potentially say, hey, we have a building block guy within the calendar year we traded James Harden. That's pretty big. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously huge. It's the kind of situation where this kind of aimless rebuild, that, that is the thing the Rockets so, so loathed over the past decade, right? The idea of being competitive but not great or not even good that's kind of the future they're looking at next year if they don't win this pick right I don't I, I don't think it'll necessarily be a full-blown take up loser if they don't get their pick just based on the nature uh, of the owner and the history of this franchise and some of the talent on the roster um, so if you don't get the pick you're kind of looking at are you really going to fall to the bottom again next year or is it going to be a situation where we're waiting a few years to land this top pick and we're going to have the eighth pick or the ninth pick or the seventh pick. I think this is really the year to strike as a, as a complete tanker. As the Rockets don't get it this year, it, it's going to be a tough scenario for them moving forward for sure. Right. It's not like that they won't be bad next year, but the level of bad, as you said, could be right. Complete. Like if John Wall has a healthy comeback season, same thing with Eric Gordon, like that could really foible their plans, right? If, yeah. if the front office has plans to tank. And, yeah. um, this episode is brought to you by Cox Home Life. Cox helps make your home smarter, and now you can see what's happening around your home right from your couch. Just pull up your Home Life cameras on your TV with your Contour voice remote and some simple voice commands. 
Need to keep an eye on the kids when they're outside? Say, show me my backyard camera. And to see who's at the door, just say, show me my front porch camera. To learn more, visit cox.com slash thisishome. You never know when you'll have this opportunity again. Obviously, the lottery odds are flattened. So, the, the, you know, True. P- picks eight and nine could jump up to to one, but it's still harder. And they're not they're not going to have a fourteen percent chance to get the number one overall pick next year. That's not that's probably not going to happen. That they're not they're probably not going to be a bottom three rec, uh, bottom three seed with three first round picks coming in this year and players getting healthy next year. I think there's going to be a little bit too much talent to put them in that range. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, I think both it's a talent thing. I also think it's kind of a culture thing as well. I kind of think they don't want to have another year where Steven Silas is leading kind of a 15-20 win kind of outlet. I think they want to build some winning habits. It's understandable for the coach to want to build winning habits. Like Steven was a real good soldier this year. Um, obviously, he didn't like the losses, but I think he understood there was a bigger picture in sight. If it's your second full year as a coach and you're still going through the same kind of thing, it, it's going to be difficult. Like Regardless of whether the Rockets get the pick, or not, I think the team and the organization is still going to try to put a winning product on the floor, but that's going to be a pretty, pretty hard sell, especially if this team isn't fully healthy once again. Yeah, and I think it's, I think it's going to be really interesting if they don't get the pick, what the organization qu- quickly shifts into. Because I yep. think there's a strong possibility that if they don't get this pick, they start shopping the veterans on this team to move up in the draft. And what I mean by that is, like, guys at Christian Wood – Eric Gordon, all these guys are in play to get moved on draft night, along with some of these first-round picks that they have this season, I mean, at this draft, uh, to try and move up, right? Like, I, I, th- I think there's a real there's a real appetite there to have a top-10 pick this year. Yeah, I, I certainly think that's the case for the Rockets, and I also think, you know, they could become players in free agency here. You know, perhaps Lonzo Ball would be a target if they say, hey, instead of getting Cade Cunningham as a lead playmaker. Let's go put Lonzo Ball next to um, Kevin Porter Jr. You know, I think the John Wall situation might get a little messy, a little complicated if they get a Cunningham or another kind of lead guard. Like, is John going to be okay seeding the spotlight so much to both Kevin Porter Jr. and this new rookie? Like, we could be headed towards a buyout. I know that's a bit ways away, but next year, maybe the year after, uh, I could kind of see John's role in the organization being minimized moving forward. Yeah, I'll say this. I'd be surprised. I'd be floored if he finishes out. He finishes out his contract with the Rockets. Yes. One way or another, he's he's not going. He's not going to be a Rocket by the time that that contract comes due, uh, whether a buyout or trade. I, I right now it's looking more like a buyout because it's not. I'm not sure there's really much of an appetite for John Wall until <laughs> right. until he shows he's a legit. So if if they if they keep if they keep their pick. It's going to be a pretty boring draft night, right? Like, I think it's going to be pretty yeah. – like, they, they, they draft their guy at number one, two, or three, or four, whatever, and, they, you know, they draft their two other picks. Right. I, I, I think if they don't keep their pick, that's where draft night becomes interesting, like what I'm talking about. Like, all these guys, I feel like it, it, they, they go on the table. I, I feel like they, they go for the tank, 
and they go mm-hmm. for it again next year. Because I that's what I would do. I frankly like I I would t- I would tear this roster down to the studs right now. Like I, I, if I, I would try to find as many assets I can for Christian Wood, I would try to find as many assets I could for Jay Sean Tate. Um, anybody over the age of 23 years old, I would search for a buyer, and I would I would try to get as many assets as I can. But he, but I I get the feeling from that press conference with Rafael Stone and Steven Silas that they would like to keep guys like Christian Wood and Jay Sean Tate in the fold. So it, yeah. but if if things don't go their way on lottery night. I could see their plans changing pretty quickly. I think the Wood and Tate ones that, that you bring up, I think might receive some some pushback from Rockets fans. I think that would be kind of surprising. Tate, I, I think, you know, I understand he's an older rookie, but he was just a rookie this season. Uh, he's been a defensive stopper. He's a guy that's pretty malleable regardless of the roster. I'd personally be surprised if he was on the market. The Christian Wood one I think is interesting, right, because he kind of ha- has looked for an outsized offensive role. He's going into the second year of a three-year deal next year. You know, his contract isn't isn't totally insane. And you're right, they could get some pretty good value for him uh, on the market after flipping him after just one year. If they don't get the pick, I do see Wood as a guy, although it would be kind of a strange thing to do, a guy that could have some real value on the market. Yeah, I mean, like, think about what a team like Boston would give up for Christian Wood or, or a team like Golden State or a team like – like, there, there are a bunch of teams that can use – a floor spacing big like like New Orleans putting Christian Wood next to Zion makes a lot of sense to me. Like if I were New Orleans, I'd be calling up Houston every day, you know, offering like the Lakers picks or uh, offering my own picks, like whatever I can to, for Christian Wood, I would be doing that. And I mean, it just makes it positionally, offensively, makes a lot of fit next to a lot of guys on the front court for a lot of NBA teams. Like he's a very malleable center, um, right? And, um, yeah, I think you can get a ton of value for him. Uh, a pretty good first-round pick or, you know, three middling first-round picks, something like that. I feel like you can find in that range for Christian Wood. Yeah, and you bring up an interesting point. Really, the most interesting point is that the lottery is this huge, huge pivot point, right? I think if the Rockets keep their pick, they're going to take a guy. They're going to try to compete for an 8, 9, or 10 seed next year. If they don't, I think there'll be some real panic because it'll seem like this rebuild uh, until the Brooklyn picks come is going to feel pretty directionless, right? I mean, Kevin Porter Jr. is a fun, intriguing asset. Outside of that, is there any like true blue building block that you can say, okay, this guy's kind of a future star? Not really if they don't land this top four pick. So I kind of think if it's a rough watery night for Houston, you're, you're going to see some panic here for sure. Yeah, and, and like I frankly – believe right now they've already have they already have some internal planning if it doesn't yep. go their way like they they, they there's two there's two different off seasons for the rockets right there like if they keep the pick and if they don't i or they sh- or there should be two different off seasons like they they should be planning to go in an t- entirely different direction as a franchise if they don't keep this pick Mm-hmm. You know, knowing knowing Rafael Stone and knowing this kind of front office and the brain trust, I'm sure they have already pulled plan, plan for this uh, kind of scenario. They better make sure they send their good luck charms to the lottery. We shall see who who's making that appearance. Yes. Rafael said that he's not going to do it. Who do you think should do it? You have any uh, suggestions? I'm glad you I'm glad you brought this up because this is going to be my next question. This is a really fun topic for me. Um, so I've outlined my case. I think the, I think the best and obvious candidate here is Yao Ming, and mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if you saw my tweet. Like he is the last number one overall pick the Rockets drafted, right? So, mm-hmm. so, so there's some good luck stuff there. Um, yeah. 
And the the optics, I think, would be brilliant, right? Like, Yao is someone who could help Houston, like the the Rockets organization, bridge that divide that that they, you know, ha- that happened with China, right? And and the, and their fans. I think I think it'd be a, a really smart strategic move for uh, Gretchen Shear, their new CEO, right? Like, I, I think mm-hmm. I I think if you're trying to, you know. It's a really smart business decision just to like try and reach out. If he says yes, he says yes. It's it's great. He's a beloved figure by the fan base, um, and I th- I think it, I think it'd be a great, a great decision. Other candidates I have down here, Steve Francis. So, so I actually didn't think of Steve Francis until I talked to my dad a couple of days ago, and and he he he, told, he he reminded me that Steve Francis was actually at the lottery when they got Yao Ming. So like it'd be a a nice selling point, right? Like like mm-hmm. this is the guy we had when we and, and we won the lottery, and, we, and I think they had the fifth best odds in two thousand two when they got Yao Ming, and, right. and you you can sell that, right? Another guy, and I guess this is kind of impossible now because it was pointed out to me uh, that he works for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Rudy Tomdanovich, he mm-hmm. just made he just made the Hall of Fame, right? Yeah. So it's timely. Um, He's a rocket icon, and it, it just makes a lot of sense um, with with the timing of the Hall of Fame. And finally, the safe option is obviously you can't go wrong with Hakeem. If you can get Hakeem, the, there's you know you're not going to get any pushback. It's you, it's unanimous approval. You know, book it right. Like. I I think I think those are the three obvious candidates. Rudy T might be disqualified because of his affiliation with a different organization, but um, I think Yao and Hakeem are pretty two huge uh, obvious candidates right there. Yeah, Hakeem is the first one that came to mind for me. Let, let me rattle off a few as well. Uh, a recent guy I think would be Gerald Green. I, I don't know if he would be eligible for this situation, Ooh. but of course, kind of a, a Houston uh, is legend the right word? Houston icon, of course, hometown you know, favorite. Hometown favorite, beloved in the city. I think he would be fun. Uh, I think Vernon Maxwell could be a fun choice, and that he would trash talk everyone else there on the podium, and perhaps the that's, ping pong balls might break their way. That's a um, great. That's a great suggestion. I, I I could just picture if the Rockets win win the lottery, or if they, if they keep their pick, like him, just like whoever the Oklahoma City representative is, like just flicking him <laughs> off or something. Whatever the hell he does, right? Like I just, I just want to see it. I want the camera to pan to Vernon. If they keep their pick. That'd be fantastic. All right, I got, I got one more, uh, maybe a bit of a simple choice, but I think John Lucas will be a strong representative. You know, he's been with the franchise for a while. Um, he made his bones back as a player in the city. He's been a coach here for a while. I kind of feel like he has a bit of a magic touch with the young guys. So I kind of feel like bringing him to the lottery could elicit some similar luck and a similar strong performance from the Rockets. So I think that Maxwell and Gerald Green will be my one and two. But if not, I think John Lucas is kind of a perfect guy to slide on in there. Yeah, you you want you want to list some bad bad candidates? This is kind of funny. Wait, what do what do you got for me? So, I kind of feel like this is this is this is a pretty distinct possibility. If they bring Patrick Fertitta up there, <laughs> uh, if they bring Patrick Fertitta up there, like listen, like it, it's it's something a lot of organizations have done, like the, you know bringing the oh, yeah. owner's son up there. It's it's not uncommon. It, it's the most likely. It's the most likely choice. I feel like. Yeah. Um, but the pushback you'd get 
from the fan base would be pandemonium. It would just – the guy. I can imagine just scrolling through Twitter on that night where they – like the camera pans to Patrick Fertitta and people start realizing, oh, is he the Rockets representative for the pick right now? Like, and, 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 and it's like a no-win situation, right? Like Patrick Fertitta is not going to get any credit if they, if they keep their no. pick. Right, if 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 they uh, if they lose their pick, he gets all the blame. Right, and and, and obviously, it's completely random. It, it, whoever represents the Rockets has nothing to do with the with the with the with their chances of keeping their pick. But um, you're gonna you're gonna get a lot of pushback if he doesn't if if they don't keep their pick sure. and, and the representative is not strong. Yeah, you know, I will say from from Patrick's Twitter feed, he does seem to be a pretty in tune basketball fan. I think that. Uh, seems to be a pretty level-headed guy, so perhaps he will have some good kind of watery uh, vibes and juju with him. Uh, well, probably the this, worst one. For, oh, go ahead. Well, I'm sorry. This is not. I just want to be clear. This is not a judgment on Patrick Fertitta's role within <laughs> the organization. Like I have okay. no idea. Like I've never talked to the man. I I don't know if he's a smart guy. I don't, I don't know if he's a if he's someone who's kind of clueless with this stuff. I have no idea. I'm not making a judgment either way. But I sure. th- he is just so. Like the the fan base so despises the, the idea that he is involved behind the inner workings, right? Or and right. like I feel like it, it'd be a no brainer unpopular move, and I feel like it's it's in play, and that's why I listed him as number one. Yeah, I mean it's definitely in play. I think the worst probably would have to be Charles Barkley. I, there's no way he would do that. There's no way the organization would reach out. But imagine the Rockets fans kind of fit on Twitter if Charles Barkley was the representative. That would be uh, some high comedy in my opinion. What if Tillman goes up there? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and and it'd be completely fair. Like, like he's the owner of the team. It's 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 within his right to go up there. But again, it's a, it's a no win situation. Like no. the the Fertitas have such a low Q rating right now with the fan base. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is interesting. I think that we'll, we'll kind of see next year if, if that Q rating can go up if they win the right lottery pick. But I do think that this is a situation where. For for all of Tillman Fertitta's kind of flaws as an owner, I don't think that he is of any mind that he wants to continue any tank or continue a losing way for the team. I think he does want to bring them back to contention sooner than later. So I think it is kind of interesting that we'll see in the coming years. Did the ire he earned when the Rockets were good, will he kind of reverse that when the Rockets are trying to climb back into contention? I think that's kind of a subplot here uh, that we'll see in the coming years, a kind of a bigger picture question. I mean, it's happened before, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um... Own, there have been owners who have had bad perceptions around the league and have turned it around, uh, but right. but with, with with Tillman, it, it it just went straight to the tank. Like within years of buying the team, it is it's crazy. I, it's probably because he talks so much to the media, right? Like I think I, I don't I don't think that helps. But um, but but if 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 he empowers his guys and his guys are smart, right? Like if Rafael Stone leads the organization to greener pastures like i think his i think his curating will go up yeah certainly i think i think really the owner's fortunes just kind of ebb and flow with the team i don't think unless unless it's like a james dolan people think about the owner how they think about the team's success right if the rockets are winning all of a sudden no one's really going to care at all about Tillman for public comments that's really just how it kind of works at the end of the day right um, I mean, look at the Phoenix Suns, right? Like, like no, yeah, no, yes, no exactly. nobody cares. Nobody cares right now, right? Like the the, the number two seed, they just want to play off game against the defending NBA champions. Nobody cares who the owner is. Yeah, <laughs> all all good vibes with Robert Sarver right now. Yeah, 
and, and they they were the opposite like two years ago. Um, but like, yeah, it, it really does. It really, it really does depend on what the organization is doing. Um, yeah, those those are two obvious candidates right there. I mean, three, I guess, counting Barkley. I I just I the, the thing with Barkley is I don't see a situation where they would ever ever call Barkley <laughs> to do this. No, no, no way. Unless it was some kind of, I don't know, uh, relegation or kind of reverse watery. No, I don't think there's <laughs> any way he'll be affiliated with the Rockets anytime soon. Yeah, I really, I really like the Vernon's suggestion. Like, I'm really, I'm really buying into it. It would be great. And I could, I, I could totally see it. Like, Vernon would, would totally be down. Like, he, he, he he's, think, go ahead. I think the Rockets win the lottery if, if Vernon Maxwell is there. I think you can, <laughs> you can put him in pen if he's there. I think it's a guarantee. So, so you're a karma guy. You think, you think the representative does matter? Yes. Oh, totally. I, I totally okay. think that the claims of it being completely random are, are bogus. I think there are some elements of, of karma. There is some element of luck. Uh, I won't go as far to say there's some evidence of, of league office manipulation, but I would say from the watery God standpoint, the Rockets should be in a pretty good spot uh, in that, you know, they were the only team not to kind of kowtow to the Warriors, right? They put James Harden in Brooklyn, which is great for the league, right? And now I think after suffering all these horrible injuries over the course of the year. Steven Silas, he's a guy that everyone kind of roots for. Karma-wise, the Rockets seem to be in a pretty good place going to the lottery. Now, perhaps I just jinxed them uh, into oblivion, but kind of from an outside perspective, you got to think they have some solid lottery karma coming their way. Yeah, the the, the, the Russ trade didn't go in their favor, right? And the, that, yeah. that that certainly goes in the, in the karma column. Like, I, I don't know. I, I actually don't know if, if I'm a believer in, in that the representative <laughs> matters, but... But 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 I really like the idea of like Yao or Vernon being up there. Like I, oh, yeah. you, you've yeah. you've sold me on Vernon. He's probably like my second favorite candidate for their spot right now. Hakeem's obviously like you're not going to lose. Like I I feel like that's probably like what what the where the organization will ultimately go because I mean you're not going to lose. <laughs> like if you have Hakeem up there, nobody's going to complain about who the, who the representative is. But Yao Ming, I mean he checks a lot of boxes. He just does. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah and and. I don't know. Like, I, I would, lo- I would like to see Yao Ming ingratiated with the organization again. He's a really nice guy. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be cool. It'd be cool. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it'll be a great setup. I don't really know um, what his standing with the organization is right now. I don't know if there's a rift between him and the organization. That's kind of um, outside my purview, I would say. But if he's willing to, to come and do it, I think that is definitely a fantastic scenario for the Rockets. I don't remember where I had this conversation, but I do remember someone telling me it might have been on the podcast or off the podcast i someone telling me that yao ming was not happy with what happened right like that that he was not that he was not contacted um yeah i think i think that was reported that there was some kind of distaste between ming and the organization following daryl's comments so i don't know how long that's lingered um again it's about by Patreon, but i'm pretty sure the yao's dissatisfaction was at least reported yeah it might have been it might have been but um mm-hmm. Bring him to the lottery would be a nice way. I mean, and Daryl is gone, yeah. right? Daryl is gone, so like, like that that was a huge sticking point. <laughs> um, and and I think uh, I think now that there's just fresh faces all across the organization, new CEO, new general manager, new head coach, like this would be a nice way to like reingratiate yourself with that fan base. Like, yeah. really, nobody cares about the Chinese government, right? Like, like if 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 the Rockets brought Yao Ming in, they're not doing it for they're not doing it for the champ the the, the Chinese Communist Party. They're not doing that. Like, they're 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 doing it for that that fan base because they want 
that fan base to love them again. And it, it really, right. it really did set ablaze their relationship with with that fan base. Oh, 100%. I mean, it, it pretty much obliterated it. I'm yeah. sure Tillman Fertitta isn't very happy about it. The league isn't very happy about it. Um, hopefully it can become a situation that's more in the rear view in the coming months and years. Um, but uh, I'm more of a basketball writer than a geopolitics writer, so we'll, we'll talk about that perhaps at another point. <laughs> uh, Michael, where can we follow you on Twitter and uh, and read your work? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at mshap2, uh, and you can read my work on si.com, uh, occasionally in the magazine of Sports Illustrated. You can find me there um, really any point in the week right throughout these playoffs. Awesome. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thank you so much.